Joe Manchin has essentially stated he's not voting. He is not going to vote for three and a half trillion dollars worth of spending. And it's been interesting because this is a guy, right, that comes from an area that is supposedly pro-union, right? I mean, you have the coal country out of West Virginia, but it's completely destroyed. I mean, there's, there's no industry out there. It's been deindustrialized. Um, the entire place is incredibly polluted. If you actually look at my tweet um, of, you know, cancerous at any cost, which is a play on uh, unsafe at any speed, um, I thought I was real slick. Uh, that video on that tweet, that exact video, is crossing over a bridge that is literally right next to a neighborhood in West Virginia. West Virginia is one of the most polluted places in the country. If you drive through Charleston, if you go and you actually go out through 95, you will see those plants that manufacture huge amounts. I'm going to get back this way. That manufacture huge amounts of fossil fuels. But here's a guy, and a lot of those plants are almost fully automated at this point, but here's a guy who comes from this place, an incredibly poor place in the Union, used to be one of the more democratic states before George W. Bush became president. And I mean, this guy could use a win. This guy could really use a win. Could use a bill to bring home to say, yo, look, I tried. Here are, your, here are jobs. Here's monetary support. This was one of the people who did fight for the $600 unemployment insurance. He was one of those people at the very beginning during that recovery, during the first recovery act of last year. He did advocate for stimulus checks. He advocated for quite a bit of stuff. And of course, he did advocate for the $3.5 trillion, almost $5 trillion worth of appropriations, actual money that came from the U.S. federal government into the, into the U.S. economy, largely to multinational corporations, without any sort of attachment to, you don't have to fire anybody, and you don't have to raise prices. And I'm gonna get to raising prices here in a second. But my thing is, is that here's a guy, right, who comes from this area and doesn't want to be able to expand the economy of his state. And I'm trying to understand why. I mean, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, that would be a good thing to go back to your Senate, can to go back to the people of your district and say, hey, look, like, I actually got you something, you know, like, here's some jobs, here's some health care, you know, here's something. And they just don't have any of it. He just he, he's not having any of it. And of course, as Ryan Grimm pointed out on, you know, I think it's Rising the Hill TV, whatever it is now. Um, he pointed out, I mean, in essence. That. Joe Manchin is the person who is talking about this sense. He's asking what's the sense of urgency. And essentially what he's trying to do is run out the clock. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin this weekend made another round of media appearances, warning his party that he's not ready to vote for the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package that's quickly moving through Congress. His rather bizarre argument is that there's not urgency to the situation. We don't have an urgency. Don't you think we ought to debate a little bit more, talk about it and see what we've got out? And the clock has been set by conservative Democrats. So, and so that's what Joe Manchin is doing. And we'll get back to what he's doing in terms of that infrastructure deal in a second, in, in terms of the reconciliation bill in a second. But my main concern is, is that this framing that somehow that we had a progressive, somehow we had a progressive um, messaging, somehow we wanted to push progressive policy means that we lost the election is going to be one of the most ridiculous. And it's going, and it's going to happen. We're going to be gaslit. We are, I'm telling you now. Say it now. Hear me later, right? <laughs> Hear me now. Quote me later. There is going to be a gaslighting campaign. 
to tell us that the reason why we lost 2022 was because of AOC and Bernie Sanders pushing radical left policies. I guarantee you it'll come out of Joe Manchin's mouth. I guarantee you if it's not Gottheimer, it'll be one of those other little Weasley conservative Democrats, probably something like Jim Clyburn, which even him himself is over there now talking about how the three and a half trillion dollars or excuse me, isn't necessarily as big as it needs to be that we don't actually have to do that. So there's that. Um, that is going to be concerning of next year because the main reason why that is going to happen is probably going to be the Democrats' fault. And what do I mean by that? Just like this cliff that Joe Manchin has done is self-imposed, just like how that is self-imposed, the same can be said, the same exact can be said on the devastation that Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, just hush mode. I mean, House Democrats were apparently, I mean, as far as we saw on the Hill, were apparently lobbying the Biden administration to try and keep unemployment benefits. That's what they were trying to do. That's fine. That's cool. Problem is, is that that wasn't public. <laughs> you were behind the scenes saying that stuff. And we are seeing multiple new variants pop up. People are not getting vaccinated. And we're still allowing international travel. And we've opened everything up as though everything is still normal. That doesn't make any sense. That drives me nuts. Like, it literally does, it, it doesn't make any sense. And so we're driving people to a fiscal cliff, which is essentially as fall comes around, we're pushing September 1st or, you know, the first Monday of September, sort of pushing people off that $300 of federal unemployment insurance. I want to remind everybody just a, a quick preview of maybe why we lost 2010, right? Not just bad messaging on the Affordable Care Act, not just the fact that Barack Obama was who he is, um, or is who he is. Now in 2008, when a global recession gripped the world and the United States, for some reason, for some reason, Barack Obama came up with a stimulus package that was like $800 billion, not even a trillion. The United States economy at that point was nearing $20 trillion. You're talking about 5% of GDP. You're spending less than 5% of GDP seriously in order to but that's not serious and it wasn't serious it was austerity and that's exactly what he and people like david cameron and others instill and what's awful is is that when that occurred they only gave people a 25 dollar plus up on federal unemployment insurance 25 dollars in 2008 during that crisis that's all they did going into 2010 with austerity measures, people suffering at home, no sort of no sorts of fiscal stimulus, nothing at all. That's a huge problem. Like that created the disaster that was 2010, not to mention Barack Obama's awful messaging and the Democrats just being Democrats. <laughs> so that's the thing. So that's the thing. We have to find a way tactically to push these people out. People like Joe Manchin and Gottheimer, because even those who come from safe blue states, safe blue districts, what on earth are they doing not supporting this legislation? What I don't, I don't, it's, it's good politics, it's good fiscal policy, it's good economics, outside of outright corruption. There is no reason as to why it should occur. 
I just, th there is no reason outside of that. And I'm not calling Joe Manchin a liar, but I ain't calling him a truther. Um, I mean, he might be. You know, I'm not sure. He probably had to check his <laughs> We'll see whether he was a Barack Obama truther. But anyway, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just sort of, it's really ridiculous. And we're going to be blamed for 2022, the loss of 2022. Meanwhile, it's people like Gottheimer and Manchin and others and people like Cinema who refuse to pass any sort of legislation that we promised the American people. $15 minimum wage isn't happening. Why? Because of two people, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Not happening. Not happening. They're not voting for none of that. So you sort of come to a point where you got to make a choice um, about who is going to be your ally and who isn't. And these people, after 2022, if Joe Manchin were to go, I mean, I wouldn't really feel anything. I mean, to be honest, we're probably about to lose this Senate again. There's no way to move forward without these people. They need to leave. They need to go. They have to go. They cannot stay. It cannot be a consistent thing. They must go. It cannot be the same. It has to go. So, there's that. That's what I think about that. It's becoming political suicide in many ways that we're committing. Unemployment insurance, they're just cutting people off and telling people to go back to work. Meanwhile, we have variants that are escaping vaccines. We don't have vaccines for the variants. We have vaccines for things like Delta that are still sitting in cryo in places like the UK that are ready to roll out but haven't been mass produced yet for a whole population. And supposedly, we're all supposed to wait 30 to 60 days while we're working with mask on in order so that the U.S. government doesn't have to pay anyone unemployment. And why? It's to prove a point. And Dr. Guy and, us was and I were talking about that earlier today, which is essentially it is to prove a point that everyone has to be under the wheel of capital. You cannot have a situation where people are able to survive without the need to work. And that's really what grinds the gears of people like Cinema, of people like Manchin, people like Joe Biden. Even people like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, they cannot stand the thought that somebody could actually have money and not be dependent on a job. They just, I mean, like, they can do it, right? When rich people have checks that come in the mail just because they own money and they're able to put it in stocks and that they get some sort of return, just because that occurs, they think they're entitled to that. They think, I mean, people, I, I would hesitate, I guess, I, I, would, I, I, I would gander, right, that somehow the tax on unemployment insurance, normally not the waived tax, not the waived tax of this year, a bit of it's waived, of unemployment insurance, um, is probably still higher than capital gains, probably still, especially after, oh, I don't know, the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. We're coming to a moment where the Democratic Party is going to have to put up or shut up and mean what it says or it doesn't. Um, Joe Biden chose earlier this year with another reconciliation bill, which was ARPA, chose not to put a $15 minimum wage in there because he didn't just instruct the parliamentarian that either you do this or you're fired. That's literally the only thing that he could do was to dismiss the parliamentarian order so that he could go about instituting $15 minimum wage. That means that Joe Biden wanted that. And so now he's stating, and we'll get to that here in a minute, um, that'll be after wage and price controls, that he's starting to waver a little bit on the filibuster. He's starting to think a little bit more about it, that he's 
beginning, I think, beginning to see the, the, the tea leaves. And, and this is really what I'm, uh, this is really what I'm pushing on, is that this three and a half trillion dollar bill doesn't have a Voting Rights Act. It doesn't have the expansion of the Supreme Court. It doesn't have the expansion of the Senate into like a popular representation body. If you want to democratize it, you could definitely do proportional representation in the Senate. I think that is something, uh, definitely something that we could shoot for and definitely a huge improvement. So there's that. But I'm concerned that people like Joe Manchin and the conservative Democrats, they are going to blame us in 2022 when we lose. Because at this point, I'm thinking it's more likely than not that we lose, mainly because we're not doing anything on voter rights and we're not fulfilling any of our promises. If we're not expanding the electorate and protecting the ballot box um, and we're not passing any sort of policies that our base wants, where exactly do we expect votes and enthusiasm to come from? Like, I'm just... I'm just as confused as anybody else. Maybe, I mean, maybe you, you all can help me. Maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe I'm not seeing. Maybe I don't understand. So that's, maybe that's just me. But Joe Manchin is out of, is, is out of pocket. Joe Manchin is, uh, yeah, he's out of pocket. Um, he needs to be on that court case of the young, I can't even remember the name of the court case, but there are young people right now who are taking a court case to the U.S. Supreme Court stating that it is a violation of their constitutional rights, the fact that the United States government is not taking action on climate change. In other countries, young people have done the exact same. And to be honest with you, kind of agree. Kind of agree. So there's that. Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. Wage and price controls, right, are generally implemented in order to control supply. So if you, even if you have the industrial might, right, of the United States, even in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, you can't produce everything that you need and a war. You feel me? That's just not quite what you need. Even during World War II, with the massive in, uh, expansion of the industrialization base, or the industrial base of the United States, you still had rationing, right? Immediately, once the 40, 41 hits, immediately FDR and the Congress are passing and, and instituting rationing programs in order so that the U.S. has enough supplies in order to do so. Most consumer manufacturing goods are gone. Places like uh, Ford's factories are just taken over for Jeeps, which at the time I think were under some sort of military name or American Motor Corp, um, something along those lines. And so you basically have a situation where 40s, 50s, and 60s at that time, there is um, this massive expansion of the industrial base, but it still isn't enough. And so we're at war in Vietnam and we still have, um, we still have consumer goods going on at home. And so this is before most of neoliberalism has occurred. This is, this is, this is Nixon, not Reagan, right? We're not even at Jimmy Carter yet, right? And so if we're not even at Jimmy Carter yet, that means the United States still has quite a bit of its industrial base left. But Richard Nixon knows that in the mess that is Vietnam and the mess that is at home in terms of a population that is educated and pissed off about the fact that it is being oppressed and about the fact that it's an international embarrassment in terms of racism, in terms of sexism, in terms of homophobia, um, in terms of ecology, that there are huge there are huge pushes and huge movements to actually go about combating those movements. The thing is, the thing is, right, usually wages in those situations are kept low, and that's in order to make sure that you can't buy much because you only need to buy what you can. And prices are kept in a certain place so that you can buy what you need. So there's this balance, right? 
problem. As AOC points out, the majority of what we call um, inflation are supply chain disruptions, okay? I'm a tech guy. I'm an IT guy. Let me break this down for you, okay? Nothing that we use is built in the United States. TSMC manufactures almost all, all Apple products. They are, it's Taiwan, Taiwanese semiconductor, semiconductor company. It's a corporation. It, it, it is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Taiwanese government, which we have 30, 40, 50,000 troops there in order to prevent the Chinese from coming over and invading. It's a fascinating conversation as to why Mao, as to why Mao actually didn't take over um, Taiwan, mostly due just to resource constraints. He just didn't have the time. And on top of that, even though, you know, at this point he was still trying to develop a nuclear weapon, point being is that he did not he just didn't want no peace in the United States. They were like, you know what? We just got through the revolution. I think we're going to be good on Taiwan. We got the whole country. Right? So, so we move forward from that. Taiwan, that is where AMD products are made. Advanced micro devices. Okay? Huge. Apple products are made. And as of right now, as far as we can see, there are small price increases. Small price increases. Um, that the semiconductor industry is passing on to manufacturers. However, there are huge price jumps that are happening because of supply chain disruptions and huge amounts of demand. NVIDIA CPUs are still more available than something like a graphics card. Why is that? Well, because there's only so many wafers. Because I, I, I can, I, I, you can see it on my Twitter page. There are only so many wafers per month that you can pump out of a factory. And these wafers of silicon that have to be created there are only so many of them. And so the larger of the dye that you use in these silicone wafers, the less and less you can buy it, the less and less you can sell them. And so graphics card, proce uh, graphics card processing nodes are massive. They're big dyes, even though they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and they're getting more and more complex to build. The thing is, if that is the case, if those sorts of supply chain problems are happening, and if even Joe Biden is having to come out there and say, like, you know, this is a national security issue, that he was somehow going to be directing his, um, give me one second, that he was somehow going to be directing his, um, his administration to go about doing a review within his first 100 days to look over the supply chain issues. And that's nice and all, um, but really what we need are things like the $3.5 trillion industrial bill, uh, uh, excuse me, industrialization bill, which is what I'll call it, um, or infrastructure bill, um, which is largely to install those sorts of semiconductor factories here because there's literally no private company that's going to do it. AMD's not going to do it because it's more expensive and they think the U.S. federal government's going to do it for them anyway and they already bought them off, so why not have them do it? NVIDIA is not going to do it here because it's cheaper to produce in places like Taiwan or Indonesia. Point blank serious. Intel already has fabs here. They don't, they're planning to open a few more, but it's going to take quite some time. I mean, these aren't industrial policies that we just simply put out in the middle of the night and it just happens. That's not how that works. With these supply chain disruptions causing huge price spikes and these supply chain disruptions happening, especially with things like mask production. So the main reason, uh, a good part of the main reason why last year there was just virtually no graphics cards. All of a sudden, like prices just shot straight through the roof. Um, I mean, we're talking about GTX, excuse me, RTX 3080s. Excuse me. I mean, at that time it wasn't 30s. At that point, to about RTX 2070 is going for like $800, $900. I paid like $450 for two years ago. That thing is double its worth now. That doesn't even make sense. Why? Because of things like mining. We you sort of come up to a point where 
when we're seeing huge spikes in rent, huge spikes in telecommunication costs, huge spikes in infrastructure, in, 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 in basic living necessities. It's just a hunch of mine. You know, I don't have any uh, evidence to like point to and be like, you know, this is exactly why and this is all thought out. But there need to be wage and price controls because there can not be a situation where you are literally at war. You are literally at war. As of all last year, up until just a month or so ago, we were at war in Afghanistan. Okay, that was still occurring. Now, granted, the combat mission ended in 2014. Yeah, whatever. The thing is, is that there's such supply chain disruptions, right? Such supply chain disruptions. And you have so many people out of work. The U.S. federal government is floating basically the entire economy, giving multinational corporations huge amounts of cash, giving everyday people enough money, $600, giving it what it thinks it has, which is enough money for people to stay at home, most, mostly cutting people's income still in most circumstances, but enough to keep them home. At least that's what they thought. They rationed you out. They rationed this out. And still, there were no price controls. There were no price controls. There was no price controls. Like, the United States government is floating all of this, paying for all of it. And there is no, not only were there no guarantees no one was going to be fired, not only were there no guarantees there are not going to be any prices raised, there were no guarantees. <laughs> there were no guarantees on any of this. It wasn't like everybody was automatically signed up for unemployment insurance. You still had to file with your local state, perhaps federal government. And so if you do not have, if you don't have wage and price controls in effect you are going to have what we're having right now which is u.s corporations using is that the moon girl look at me look at us <laughs> oh my god look ordained but but no but seriously like the the thought that we could go through this experience and there not be any controls on what u.s corporations can do not only in terms of hiring and firing not only in terms of how much money they're going to be getting, not just in terms of actual appropriations from Congress, but also like from the Federal Reserve, right? The problem is, is like, no one, we've allowed them to raise these prices out of nowhere for no good reason. And we've just allowed that. I don't understand why we've allowed that outside of the fact that the U.S. federal government owns pretty much, it's, it's pretty much owned by multinational corporations. I mean, that's very, very, that's very harmful. And so I just, I, I just don't understand why we're, why we're coming to a point where rents are increasing at an incredible scale. I went over the Virginia Residential Landlord and Tenant Act, at least a good bit of it. I'll probably do another one where we do like a POV, kind of like I did with the PS Vita. So I can take you line by line through the Virginia Residential Landlord and Tenant Act because I tell you what a lot of things that it says. It says a lot of things about being able to terminate a lease over drywall or mold or, or, or former drug manufacturing, things like that, flooding, fire, things like that, that weren't advertised or were advertised and are no longer fixable, right? Things like that. Oh, Carla, there are no limitations in the Virginia Residential Landlord and Tenant Act to prevent them from doubling, tripling rents. There's nothing in that bill whatsoever. There are some provisions, however, that have been amended as of this year that allow there to be a work program with a payment plan. Then you have to go in front of a court and essentially prove that you have income and have a job and you can go about paying it. And at any time that you miss a payment, 
um, they can't automatically terminate the lease. At that point, they still have to give you 15 days and they can assess a late fee and all the rest of that stuff. But the point is, is that you're still forcing people back to work. Still forcing people back to work. And I just don't understand what this fiscal cliff of is just shoving as many people back into the workforce as possible outside of the fact that U.S. multinational corporations want that to happen. Period. Period. That's what they want. And they, and they run the place. So, bully for us, right? <sighs> Wage and price controls. Let's look into it. I mean, it's not something radical. Something Nixon did, he created EPA. I mean, signed the Clean Air and Clean Water Act. Guy created Medicare, right? Almost made it universal. Literally almost made it universal. We can do wage and price controls. Joe Biden wants to be an American president. I dare him to go ahead and introduce wage and price controls. And that's Joe Biden. And we're going to bring us back to the end of this little show, which is, or at least tonight, which is Joe Biden. This young man has spent the better part of the past year telling us that we can't reform this filibuster, that we shouldn't do it, that it may not be a good idea, and that he's not going to push for it. Now that the writing is on the wall that, hey, you're probably going to lose 2022, we might want to expand the electorate. And on top of that, the census was basically because of not only coronavirus, but because of the racism of Republicans and Donald Trump of last year. And because it's done only once every 10 years, they were in control this time. So we've allowed that census data to go through. And now we're going to allow the United States government, or at least, I mean, very much so, probably 2022. I mean, who knows? I mean, with Joe Biden in office, it's probably not going to happen. Probably not going to get over the amount that you need. Probably not going to have super majorities or at least a, an overwhelming majority in order to pass that sort of stuff. I think it's more like, um, it, it's more like an issue where on the state level, they're going to be going after voting rights. In Virginia, Virginia today signed a massive voting rights bill of legislation. I will be talking to another person who I'm in the talks with about that very bill and about its implications. Because that bill empowers individual voters to sue counties and states if they believe that their voting rights have been infringed. If they think that their counties or districts voting rights have been infringed, they can go about doing so. And there is a proactive measure of the bill to actively go after voter suppression. And I think the main reason why Democrats did that here is because they want to expand the, they want to expand as much as possible the voting base because they think that's what's going to win them the race. Now in 2020, that wasn't necessarily the case. Donald Trump won like 74 million votes, right? 73 million votes. Dude won millions of more votes than he won last time. Joe Biden just blew it out, though, in places like California. Just blew it out, places like New York. Just blew it out. It just ran up the tally to 80 million people. 80 million people. And so the Democrats have gone about putting voting rights, have gone about putting voting rights in Virginia on the front burner. That was something they accomplished. And even us, we don't even have a professional legislature. We got that passed. And yet on the national stage, we cannot get it done. We can't get it done. Why? Because people like Joe Manchin, who literally co-signed, uh, co-signed, yeah, co-signed, co-sponsored the For the People Act last time, won't do it now. Why? Mm -hmm. 
Why? Because conservative Democrats would rather have Republicans in power and act as though they resist them and sign off on some of their policies than actually be Democrats. And that's why. That's why. And that's why we're in this situation. But Joe Biden is now stating in an article in Rolling Stone that, yeah, he's actually going to push for the filibuster. And largely it's because he's not an entire political moron. He's realized that largely, like, yo, look, oh, one second, that largely, yo, look, there isn't a way to, you know, there really isn't a way to, you know, go about winning these upcoming primaries or, you know, I mean, yeah, winning primaries, having states that actually have free and fair elections without voting rights legislation, because it is not just about the federal government. We keep thinking about that. The way that we got decimated in 2010 and we almost got a constitutional, we almost like Republicans were one legislature away during Trump administration from being able to pass constitutional amendments. You get that? You get that? They were that close. They were allowed to do that. And so the thing is, if they're allowed to do that, we will see the same, if not worse, this time because they will have control of the Senate and or the House come next year. Because we're not fighting for our priorities. Because we're allowing us to get lost in the muck of Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, and the nonsense coming out of the so-called moderate Democrats. And it is the most frustrating thing in the world. I'm glad to see Joe Biden is now at least beginning to lobby some people on actually getting rid of the filibuster. I wish he was more like an LBJ. He isn't necessarily an LBJ, but he has a lot of sway in the Senate. It needs to happen. We need to get rid of the filibuster. We need to start passing voting rights. It needs to start happening soon. We need to start packing the Supreme Court. It needs to happen soon. If you don't do voting rights, pack the Supreme Court. If we're not going to be in power for the next 20 years, let's do it, girl. Let's do it up. Go ahead and put the bill through. Go ahead and pack the Supreme Court so that when they are able to take over the executive and the the legislature, they're going to go ahead. And at that point, we'll just defeat them at the Supreme Court level. We're just unconstitutional, unconstitutional, unconstitutional. Throughout the federal, throughout the federal structure of judges, push them out. Like, play some politics, goddammit. Like, all this cruelty, all of this cold, calculated um, angling, all that cold, calculated angling was done against Bernie Sanders, right? By people like Barack Obama during the Saturday Night Massacre is what I call it. When he called up Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, hey, yo, look, get out. And call up Beto O'Rourke, hey, yo, look, go ahead and, you know, say some shit say some shit in Texas and let's go ahead and get Joe Biden over the top, which unfortunately did work. But outside of that, I have not seen that. I have not seen Democrats fight Republicans like I've seen them fight other Democrats. (laughs) I have not seen it. I want to see that sort of bloodthirstiness. I want to see that sort of vigor. I want to see that sort of fight because we have something to fight for other than just plain corporate greed. And so we really, we have to get to a point where we, where we must pass, we, we absolutely must get rid of the filibuster. We absolutely must get to a point, absolutely must get to a point where these bills go through. 
Because if we don't actually go about putting legislation through, if we don't go about fulfilling the priorities that we said we were going to do, if we're not going to expand the electorate, we're not going to protect our majorities, we're not going to protect our state, or we're not going to protect our state legislatures, we're not going to do any of that stuff, we're not going to do any of it, then what was the point of taking power? What was the point of it? What was the point of beating Bernie Sanders? What was the point of beating Donald Trump? What was the point of it outside of having your name up on the desk? Which I mean, for most of these people, sounds about right. But I mean, what else did we do this for if we're not willing to eliminate the filibuster? And so it'll be interesting over time to see how exactly Joe Biden plans to lobby on the filibuster, to see how he exactly plans he goes, plans to go about doing it. And it's gonna be very, very interesting to see as time goes along, whether or not this game really does play out. Because what we do over the next, between here and the year, I'm going to give you maybe till next March, right? Maybe the next March. I'm going to be generous. June. What we do up until that point is very much so going to matter. And if you don't have unemployment insurance, and you're pushing people off of that, and no one's really saying anything about it, and we're going into another wave with, with new variants, we're going into fall and the cold with, a, with variants. And we already have more cases. We already have more cases than we did last year this time. And we're having more deaths. I mean, 1,200 people a day have been dying in Florida of COVID-19 because of the new variants. We're just getting to a point where something's got to give. Something's got to give. You guys cannot play it all sides. You can't take from people, ask from people, and then give everybody nothing. Because at the end of the day, you're only going to play yourself. You're only going to play yourself. That's all that's going to happen. We're going to get played. So he better be serious about the filibuster. Because if he's not serious about the filibuster, we're going to have some serious problems. Some serious problems.